Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Thank you. Hey, take your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We are starting a new sermon series here on Sunday morning as David, and it's so glad to have David back with us. We've even got him a special chair up here on the stage so he can see my better side most of the sermon. And uh, do you want do you want your... Okay, you're fine. You're fine. It's good to have David back. He's having another surgery on Friday, so certainly be in prayer uh, for David. And, and uh, just so good to, to see you up here, brother. Let me tell you, over in Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to begin. We're going to be talking about how do we as a church and how do we as an individuals impact the city of Louisville for a difference. Now, the word impact means to have a direct forceful effect upon something, a direct forceful effect. Now, when we think of impact, often we think of something like a meteor, a meteor that's come and, and, and slammed down. The largest meteor to ever hit Kentucky made a four mile wide crater. And as a matter of fact, there is an entire city in Kentucky built within that crater. Anybody know what it is? Nobody. You see, you're going to learn something today. Middlesboro, Kentucky. Got a picture here. That's the, uh, the crater site. The entire city of Middlesboro, 10,000 people live inside the crater. Here's another uh, picture. Gives you a little bit better idea of what that crater looks like. You can actually see the impact ring going around. And Middlesboro recognizes that they are part of the crater. Look at the next slide here. Middlesboro. The city built inside a meteorite crater. So a four mile wide crater. And that's quite an impact. An impact that is so powerful that in the middle of the mountains uh, in eastern Kentucky, you have an entire city built inside of this crater. A direct forceful impact. Well, in the Gospel of Matthew in the 16th chapter, Jesus said that the rock that he's going to build his church upon, the gates of hell, will not be able to prevail against it. So think about that for a second. When we go out in the power of Jesus, there's nothing in this entire world that will be greater or can stop what we are doing in the name of God. Even the gates of hell will not stand against us. Now that's quite an impact. If even the gates of hell can't stand against you when you go out, then you need to understand the impact that as an individual and as a church that we can have both in this community and around the world. And so we're going to be looking in the next several weeks about how we can impact the city of Louisville in which we live. We're going to start over in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. So turn over to that over in verse 1. And the first thing we see is this. Our job as a church and as individuals is to go and prepare the way for Jesus. It is to go and to prepare the way for Jesus. Look at verse 1 of chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. So Jesus has now sent out 72 people. When we think of the disciples of Jesus, we generally only think of 12 people. But Jesus had a large group of people that actually followed him. He had 12 primary disciples that lived and stayed with him. But a large group were his followers. He takes 72 of them. He divides them up into teams of 36 each. He sends them out. And they're to go and with a particular task to every town and place he was about to go. And to prepare the way for his arrival. 
So what these 72 were supposed to do was to spread out throughout Israel, every place Jesus was going to be going, and they were to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And that's still the job of the church today. We're to go out into a world that is dark and hurting and in need, a world that is hungry and ill-clothed, a world that is hurting, and to give the love of God and to prepare the way for Jesus to come. That is our job as a church. Now, we often think of Louisville, Kentucky as such a perfect, idyllic place. But you look around in the United States and the world today, and you can see that we live in a world that desperately needs the good news of God. Let me give you some crime statistics for Louisville. When I say that, it's still okay to go to your car afterwards, okay? Uh, Homicides are up 40% this year in the city of Louisville. The highest number of homicides in the history of Louisville, Kentucky. Rape is up 35%. Property crime's up 20%. Robbery is up 15%. And that's just in the city of Louisville uh, as we look at some of those stats. But it's not just crime that we can look out and see darkness. The morals of our country are changing rapidly. 64% of Americans now say truth is relative. And what I mean by truth is being relative is that there's no objective standard of right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, it's just, it's just whatever you choose it to be at that time. So people were then asked a follow up question. If you believe truth is relative, which 64% do, then how do you make decisions if you have no standard of good, bad or right or wrong? And this were the answers. The highest number, 38%, said, I make my decisions by what feels right at the moment. So whatever feels right to you at the moment is how the majority of Americans are making their decisions in life. The second highest thing, 31%, was whatever is best for me at the moment is what I do. Whatever is best for me at the moment, well, I think it's best for me to steal that. I think it's best for me to kill you. I think it's best for me to cheat on this test. I think these are the things that are best for me. So 38% what feels what's right, 31% whatever benefits me the most. And that's certainly not the world we grew up in. 15% say they make their decisions by what their parents taught them. And 13% say by the Bible and the standards of the Bible. So you see that and you see we live in an entirely different world that we used to think about and that we used to grow up in. George Barna, the Christian pollster, said 44% of people in the United States today are now what he would classify as post-Christian. And what he means by that is they have very few traditional Judeo-Christian values, 44%. Now, it used to be in the country, even if you were not a Christian, that the majority of the people agreed with the same value systems and the same morals, what we call Judeo-Christian values. But we're told today 44%, almost half of the population, no longer agree with basic Christian, Judeo-Christian principles. They've now gone in an entirely different way. But it's not just crime and it's not just morals. We're also hit financially around the country today. 75% of Americans say they're living paycheck to paycheck. Real wages have fallen 10% in just the last eight years. Our middle class is is, uh, shrinking and 35% of Americans uh, are now in such straits that they are on some form of government assistance. So we see that economically things are not going well as all. And then we also see that we now have the highest rate of depression in the history of our country, which seems logical with all the other stuff. 74% of Americans say they believe our country is going in the wrong direction. 
And even in those who are of faith, our country now has gone from 78% Christian to 71% Christian in the last decade. And the highest number ever, 24% identify themselves as atheist, agnostic, or unaffiliated at all. And so we look at the world that is out there and we can say it's time we had an impact upon the world. The world is getting worse and worse. We're looking at it. Jesus said he was sending these people out to make a difference. A recent study of the East End of Louisville, where we live, says that approximately 80% of the people do not attend church on Sunday morning. 80% of the people. There are 125,000 people that live within five miles of our church. You hear that? 125,000 people live within five miles of the church. To me, that's an amazing number. I pastored in a town of 7,000 people, and that town had its own independent school system, uh, its own government, uh, city hall, all that kind of stuff, had 7,000 people. We have 125,000 people within five miles of this church, and we're told on any Sunday morning, 100,000 of them will not be in church. So indeed, there is a reason for us to go and to go out into the darkness and to prepare the way. And that's the first thing that we see. The second thing we see is this. The harvest is ripe and ready, but somebody has to bring it in. The harvest is ripe and ready, but somebody has to bring it in. Look at verse 2 of our scripture passage. And Jesus told them, the 72 we were talking about earlier, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first thing Jesus tells them is, look, the harvest is plentiful. That The crops are ready. It's time to bring them in. The problem is there's too few people to bring in the harvest that is out there. We've looked around us and we talked about some of the, uh, the darkness that is creeping in all around us. And, and we need to understand that it's now time that harvest is ready. We can look at it in a couple of different ways. We can look at all the changes in our country and we can lower our heads and say things are a mess and try to move further out. You know, you, you, you're in the East End, maybe you'll move to Oldham County. Then if Oldham County gets bad, you'll move to Henry County, then Trimble County. Pretty soon you're in Cincinnati because it's coming the other way towards you and there's nowhere to move, you know, uh, uh, and you've gotten there. So you can try to run away from the problems that are in the world or you can say, no, it's time for us to make a difference where we live right now. And that's what Westport Road Baptist Church needs to be doing in 2016 is impacting the darkness that is all around us, making a difference. The harvest is plentiful. People are lost and have no idea what the real meaning of life is. They're talking about things and money and power. And when they get it, they find it doesn't satisfy. But you know what the meaning of life is. People are lonely and need connections. And they have the church and families that were supposed to care for them that you can provide. People are messed up and feel like their life's been been having one tragic decision after another. And they need to know there's love and forgiveness. People are overwhelmed and need peace. People have given up and need hope. Families are in chaos. Relationships are falling apart. And you have the solution to all of those things. And it's time we begin to impact the city of Louisville to leave the doors of this building. The church was never meant to be something that stays inside its four walls. Because if that's all we are, we're a country club that takes care of ourselves. When people are hurting, when people are lonely, when people need clothing and food, when people are lonely and grieving, we are supposed to be the ones that give the love and the hope and the care and the peace. We were supposed to be in the world, impacting the world that is all around us. And that's what we need to be doing. 
But the fact of the matter is very few of us are doing that. The harvest, we're told by Jesus, is ripe. In a recent survey, 70% of people surveyed, 70% said that they would come to church if they were invited at Christmas or Easter. Now, that's just twice a year. But at Christmas or Easter, if they were invited, they said they would come to church. 50% of people said they would probably come anytime if they were just invited by someone. And 96% of people said they would think seriously about any invitation they were given to come to church. 96% of people. So that shows you right there the harvest is ripe. And then what's the church doing? 25% of people in Southern Baptist churches say they have shared their faith in the last six months. 25%. One out of four people. 33% of Southern Baptists in the last six months say they have invited someone to church. So only one out of three have even invited somebody to church in the last six months that we have there. 46% say they have prayed for someone in the last six months. I'm talking about all church members in the Southern Baptist Convention. Less than half have even prayed for somebody in the last six months. And the the statistic can go on and on and on. But then we have this one that trumps everything. The Billy Graham Association says 82% of people who come to faith in Christ are led by a family member or a friend. 82%. So everything the church does corporately to bring people in leads 18% of people to Christ. 82% are led by family members and friends, the connections you already have in your life. You see, you're the only thing that can have an impact in Louisville. You are the church. And it's not what are we going to do corporately in some big program to go out and have a big revival or something. It's what are you going to do in your life to make a difference? What are you going to do in your family? How is your family better and different because you're a member of your family? How's the place where you work or go to school better and different simply because you're there? What about your neighborhood, your relationships? Are there people that are lonely or hurting and need? What are you doing in your everyday life to make an impact for good, for the glory of God? 125,000 people live within five miles of the church. But the church radius goes more than that. A recent Pew Research study said only 36% of people who attend church live within five miles of the church. So, you know, you've got, you've got 64% of the people that live more than five miles from the church. I live more than five miles from here. If you drove more than five miles to get here, raise your hand. Okay, look, look around the room. So our field is a whole lot more than 125,000 people, isn't it? With 100,000 people not coming. And so we look at ourselves and we think, gee, we run 800 people on Sunday morning. I wonder if we worked really hard if we could run 820 next year. Because after all, we're only talking about 250,000 people we might bump into before we get here. And so we begin to see the impact that we can have If we really reach out. So the harvest is plentiful, but the church and we as individuals have to do something about it. That brings us to the third thing that we see in our scripture passage. Remember, our job is not to bring a result. Our job is to be fruitful and God will make the result. It's not on us to to have the results. It's God to have the results. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to go and care, and God will bring the increase as he chooses. It's really interesting. Look at verse 3. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, doesn't that sound good? 
go into the world. It's a bunch of wolves out there and I'm sending you out like a lamb. Wow, that's kind of dangerous. Who wants to sign up for that? We'll have a, we'll have a, a sign-up sheet down here. There are wolves that want to eat you. Come and sign up if you're a lamb that want to go out there. You know, that doesn't sound real encouraging. But then Jesus one-ups it and goes even further. Look at the very next thing he says. Therefore, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone along the road. Don't take the things you would normally take when you go out. Don't take your wallet. Don't take an overnight bag. Don't take your toothbrush. Just go. Now, what's the point that Jesus is trying to make here? The job is not yours, it's his. All he wants you to do is to be faithful. To go and be faithful. And he'll supply everything you need when you go and you, and you make that impact. So what are we supposed to be doing then uh, when we go out? Well, he tells us, look at verse 8. When you enter a town and you are welcome to eat what is set before you, heal the sick and, and who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. What are you supposed to do? He says, go in and care for the sick. So what he's saying is when you go into a place, what I want you to do is simply have a positive impact upon that place. Who are the people that are hurting? Who are the people that are in need? What can you do to do something about it? Start making a positive impact. And when you do, he says, the kingdom of God has come. So when you go out to people who are hurting and you do something to make a difference in their life, you brought a bit of heaven, brought a bit of God's kingdom to them. And that's what we're to remember. It's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's about God and what he's doing. Look at verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, this is just Jesus trying to say this. There were not, not everybody's going to respond positively. Not everybody's going to jump on board. Not everybody's going to come to church because you invite them. Not everybody's going to accept the help that you want to give them. And he says, when that happens, it's not on you. They haven't rejected you. They're rejecting me because you're going in my name. And it's about me and my power and what I'm doing. And that should take all the pressure off of us. It's not about us going out and saying, well, I've got to do some great work out there. It's just about us being faithful and God will bring the increase and the results that come from it. So what would happen in 2016 if the members of Westport Road Baptist Church as individuals decided I'm going to make an impact in my world, my family, my friends, my school, my job, my neighborhood. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to be a different kind of person. I'm going to see these places are different and higher and better because I'm in them. What would happen? Well, that's how Jesus ends up Luke chapter 10. He tells us what happens when people are faithful. The first thing that happens is that there's going to be great joy. There's going to be great joy. There's going to be joy for you as an individual, and there's going to be joy for God. Look down to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submitted to us in your name. So the 72 come back and they're all excited. They've gone out and they begin to see an impact that their life had, how it made a difference out in the world. And when they saw the difference that was made, they come back to Jesus and they're just all excited. One of the things that's going to happen is if you make that pledge in your life, I'm going to make a difference in my family. I'm going to make a difference in my friends, my school, my workplace. When you make that pledge and you start living that way, you're going to start seeing things happen. 
You're going to see relationships in your family where people were at odds come together because you did something to be a peacemaker. You're going to see somebody at work that's hurting and has a problem and you encourage and help them through it. You're going to start seeing things happen all around you when you want to have an impact and it's going to give you joy. So many Christians don't live a life of joy because we're not doing anything out in the world. Our Christianity is based around this room. Well, this room's more like a pep rally that encourages and strengthens you. Out there's where you're supposed to be making a difference and living the life that you, you hear about and you train for and you encouraged on here. And when that happens, you're going to have a joy that your life is actually making a real difference in the real world around people you care about. So it brings you joy. It doesn't just bring you joy when you do that, though. It brings God joy. Look at verse 21. At that time, Jesus was full of joy. Through the Holy Spirit. The 72 come back. They tell Jesus everything that they've done. And we're told that Jesus was filled with joy that came from the Holy Spirit. So God was overjoyed at what he saw the 72 doing. It wasn't he was overjoyed at their hard work or the results of what they were doing. He was overjoyed that people were being helped and cared for. That a difference was being made in the world. What God cares about is people. He doesn't care about your building or your budgets or, or all the stuff that you have. He cares about people. He cares about what we're doing to help and care for people. And when people were being helped and cared for, you were told that Jesus was filled with joy. So the first thing that's going to happen is it's going to bring great joy both to us and to God. A second thing that happens, we're told, is that Satan is going to fall like lightning. Fall like lightning. Keep reading down to verse 19 or verse uh, uh, 18. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So the 72 were come. They tell Jesus, we went out, we started making an impact in the world. Lives are being changed. And when that happened, we were so happy and so excited. And Jesus said, you know what? I saw Satan fall like lightning when you went out into the world. You see, Satan wants darkness. Satan wants people to stay in bondage. And when you go out and free people from bondage, when you feed the hungry and clothe the naked, uh, when you do things that help people who are hurting and depressed, when you lift them up, then you see Satan fall like lightning. Because the gates of hell can't stand against a church on fire for God. The next thing we're told that happens is not only is there joy, not only does Satan fall, but God will give us more opportunity or more power to do what we were supposed to be doing. Look at verse 19. I will give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing is going to harm you. He's saying, look, you've got me go. I'm giving you all power. There's nothing in this world. That's going to stand against you. Church, did you hear that? There's nothing in the world that can stand against you when you go. And yet we don't go. Only 33% even invited somebody to church in the last six months. Almost unbelievable. How can we have an impact? How can we make a difference when God says you are the only way I'm changing the world? 82% through family members or friends. And we're not even doing the very basics. But Jesus says when you begin to do it, when you go out, I give you more power. I give you more opportunity. And you're just going to see the results coming over and over and over again. And finally, Jesus said when we go, it will confirm our faith 
and confirm that we are saved. Keep reading, if you will, down to verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. When you go out and do what you're supposed to do, it doesn't save you. But when you truly go out in faith and make an impact in the world, it shows you are saved. And so we need to be looking at our lives and saying, Lord, help me go and make a difference because of the difference you've made in me. You loved me when I didn't deserve it. Help me love people when they don't deserve it. You forgave me when I needed forgiveness. Help me forgive people out in the world when they hurt me and they need forgiveness. To make a difference because God has made a difference for you. 125,000 people live within five miles of Westport Road Baptist Church. Over 100,000 of them aren't going to be attending church. And we look out there at the world that is around us and we wonder, how can I have an impact? And it's really very simple. It starts with you and your everyday life. It starts with your family and your friends and your neighbors and your workplace. It talks about you just making a difference where you are and where you live. Look around the room right now. In our couple of services today, we're going to have 800 people or so here today. What if every person said, I'm just going to try to make a difference in my family this year. Or I'm going to try to make a difference at where I work or go to school. And you really did that. You tried to be the kind of person that made a difference where you live. And you'd look around the room. If every person did that, think of the impact it would have for God. The crater that we would have as we impacted Louisville just in our everyday lives and the way we live. Can one church make a difference? We could give example of example after example. Several years ago, I was part of a mission group that went to Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, we went to a church called Briar Creek Baptist Church in Charlotte. Now, Briar Creek was an unusual church. It had been a very large church back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, that area of Charlotte uh, had had a, 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 a real changeover, become a very poor, poverty-ridden area. And you had a lot of white flight out of Charlotte and out into the suburbs. Briar Creek Baptist Church said they weren't going to do that. They were going to stay, and they became a multiracial, multiethnic church right in the heart of downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. And they began to get involved in all kinds of different ministries. They started a clothes closet, a food closet. They found out that there were a lot of uh, people in the gay and lesbian community that were living there. They started an AIDS clinic. Then they started a nursery. They started a medical clinic. I mean, this is a church that was running like 200 people. And they begin to have unbelievable impact in Charlotte, North Carolina, for just a couple of hundred people in this small church meeting in this huge building uh, that was there. They started getting money from all kinds of organizations. Uh, it began to flow in an unbelievable ministry. About a year ago, uh, somebody that didn't like a church having that kind of, of ministry in downtown uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, burned Briar Creek uh, Church down. Got a picture here. Uh, of the church. And what has happened since then is unbelievable. This little church of 200 people that was burned to the ground by an arson after they were doing so much good in the community. All of these organizations begin to step up. Organizations like Samaritan's Purse. Organizations like, believe it or not, the gay and lesbian community in Charlotte, North Carolina raised $100,000 to rebuild a Southern Baptist church because they had an AIDS clinic there. All because of the way this church was impacting the community. They have now raised enough money to rebuild that entire church back. And it all came from people who, was, who were touched by the, by, the, by the ministry of that church. 
200 people that made such an impact that everybody jumps in and wants to do what they can to help at this church. Uh, I know when, when I was there, it was unbelievable to see the ministries that were there going on, the things that they were doing, and now to see the impact that that's had upon people. That's 200 people in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've got uh, almost 2,000 members in this church. What would happen if our church decided we were going to make a difference? We were going to make an impact in the city of Louisville. It's unbelievable what God can do if we will only stand up. Jesus said to the 72, look, the harvest is ripe and it's all around you. Pray to God to send workers into the harvest because the fields are ripe, but the workers are few. In 2016, will you be one of the workers to bring in the harvest to make an impact for good in the city of Louisville? Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Lord, help us. To realize that the love you've given us, we need to now give to others. The grace you've given us, we need to give to others. The forgiveness we have, we need to give to others. Father, help us to live a life that makes an impact this year all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.